You're listening to The Local Maximum, episode 45. He would tell us some of the biggest pain points from our most influential users. But it felt like we weren't listening to them at the same time. Time to expand your perspective. Welcome to The Local Maximum. Now, here's your host, Max Clark. All right, all right. This episode, this episode's by popular demand. I mean, it was my idea, so I take credit for it, but it's something that a lot of people were interested in. Today, we are talking to Mariam Ali about her 18 months at Google, and we're going to find out what it's really like on the inside. You notice that this episode is a little bit longer than usual because there was a, a lot of ground to cover, so I really want to take my time and dive deep into all these issues because some of them are, I don't know, multidimensional. I guess that's a word that I like. Okay. So just so you know, if you're interested in a specific issue and you want to make sure that it's covered here, I'm going to give you a list of things that we, we talked about. Uh, one, we talked about Google's interview and recruitment process and what's that like. Two, we talked about security and privacy inside Google. Three, we covered, you know, what is the atmosphere like around the Google product teams and the decisions we make? That's been a perennial issue on the show ever since episode 36, the Google Graveyard, about the passing of Google+. Number four, we covered bias in the search engine, how it could get there and how employees approach it. Um, we covered this before on the local maximum, uh, more generally, not, not with regard to Google. In episode 33, ads, bias, censorship, democracy. We've got a, a Google-specific discussion today, of course. And finally, number five, we're going to talk about what it was like inside Google during the James Damore memo and the effect it's had. And along those lines, we covered Google's specific approach to running a diverse workplace, uh, You know, whether or not you'd say it's a success or failure. So that's the order we're going in if you want to find your favorite part or the part that you're interested in. Um, I'm trying to focus on the insider view here and getting my guest's perspective uh, it's tough to get that in a world of, you know, journalists or, you know, more disgruntled employees who kind of have an axe to grind. So, and I also want to point out that Miriam was my first guest on The Local Maximum and is also my first returning guest. So you can go back to episode two on building international applications to hear more from Miriam. All right, Miriam Ali is a software engineer and professional foosball player. Not a lot of people know that. They will now. In June 2012, she joined Foursquare as the first female engineer after getting a Bachelor in Science in Computer Science at Carnegie Mellon. During her tenure, she worked on local search, internationalization, infrastructure, and outreach. After four and a half years at Foursquare, uh, she also did some natural language processing with me, I think. Isn't that right? Yeah. So she was, after four and a half years at Foursquare, I have a, a, a habit of uh, interrupting myself when I'm doing the bio, so that always happens. After four and a half years at Foursquare, she was a full stack developer on, Google, on the Google Forms team for 18 months before taking on competitive foosball full time for half a year. Starting Monday, she will be rejoining us at Foursquare to work on back end for the core business. All right, Miriam, welcome to the show. Welcome to the local maximum. Thank you. Uh, are you excited? I'm very excited. I'm, I'm excited to have you on the show. A lot of people want to hear about your time at Google. I got a lot of response from the internet. Um, I usually have kind of a a time limit on uh, on these shows. I try to keep it, but I don't know how long this is going to take. But I think today we're going to keep it slow because there's a lot that uh, there's a lot that I want to cover, and so let's just talk for as long as 
as long as you want or as short as you want. I'm not going to rush you. I'm not going to stop you. And uh, how does that sound? It sounds perfect. All right. Great. Um, cool. So let's start. I got like three pages of notes here. That's a record. Um, all right. I want to start by, uh, before we get into Google, I want to start by talking about you because there are a lot of stereotypes that I think come up in people's mind when they think uh, Google engineer. You didn't grow up in an environment where you were offered to go to computer class or science camp or anything like that. Is that right? Um, that's mostly right. I did have the opportunity to take AP computer science in high school, but before that, no. So is that when you first learned to code then in, in high school in your class? Yes. Okay. And that is that, that's what got you into math and science. Um, I was already into math, um, yeah. but that was my first foray into anything related to computers. Cool. So how did you end up at Carnegie Mellon then? Um, a lot of luck. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a funny story, actually. My theater teacher encouraged me to apply. Interesting. Um, not my math teachers. Not so you did theater too. I did theater. Yeah, yeah. I did theater for what, a long what time. What play were you in? Of... You were in a lot of plays, I'm sure. Uh, yeah. I had no idea. Why, how come we haven't talked about this? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess I... I was really into it in uh, in junior high and high school, but yeah. only through this one particular group. And it, yeah. it was I had the same teacher from seventh grade till twelfth grade in theater. Which play did you guys do? Come on, I want to know. Um, uh, you don't have just just name me one. Give me one. Uh, Blackout. Okay, I haven't heard of it. But I, haven't, <laughs> I haven't seen it. I think I've heard of it. <laughs> okay, cool. So you uh, you went to Carnegie Mellon and you ended up majoring in computer science. Yes. Um, and you had a bunch of years at Foursquare. Uh, then you were at Google for one year in 2017. That's right, one year, 12 months? Um, it was longer than that. So I started almost exactly two years ago. Okay. Um, that was my first day, so at the end of 2016. Um, and my last day was May 4th this year. Okay, okay, so a little more than a year. Was there anything in particular that attracted you to Google when you were doing your job search? If I'm being honest, uh, salaries. Yeah. That was a big thing. Um, they, but you, you could have gone to Facebook. You could have gone to Instagram. Yeah, that's uh, true. Amazon. I definitely wasn't optimizing for salary, but yeah. um, it was one of could've, the draws. Could have done a hedge fund. Uh, <laughs> the, the other big guess, thing, though, yeah. um, was impact. Yeah. So Google obviously has a lot of users, um, but also it's it's very influential within the tech community. Yeah. Um, so my thought was uh, I could have some potential impact on the whole tech industry if I had impacted Google. Right, mm -hmm. right. So you went to interview at Google sometime in 2016. Yes. Uh, what was your interview like? Honestly, I didn't have a very good experience. <laughs> no? Well, tell me about it. Yeah, so um, I went to the office, and uh, the recruiter was actually really cool. Um, and I got interviewed by five different people in 45-minute interviews, and I had a, a nice lunch with a former Foursquare employee, uh, and that was all nice. Yeah. But uh, I had some, some interesting things happen during my interview process. So one of these five interviewers was a woman who, after, um, after I did well, during the interview process, she started talking to me about how bad Google is for women. Wow. 
Well, we'll get into that more. But real, what, what did she say? Um, I honestly don't remember all that much, but she talks some about her personal experience and how it's difficult. But I, I think she was really trying to sell me, but more more like, all right, these these things have happened, and we this need more. This is the negative, yeah. Yeah. But, but, but she's saying we need you to help fix this. Yeah, exactly. What was her particular complaint, if you remember, um, if you're allowed to say? I, I honestly don't remember. Um, I can talk more about... <clears throat> Okay. About some stuff later. All right, we'll, we'll, we'll get into that. Um, so it's always hard when you're, you know, uh, assigned to do interviews, and then sometimes you're really into selling the company, but there are some days where you're just not um, – you're not always in the mood to do it every day. So right. It's, uh, it's hard. So, yeah. so what else happened in the interview? Did they ask good technical questions? Or? Uh, they, they asked standard uh, technical and algorithmic questions. Um, was it just that one thing that that was off, or was there no? Else? I had another interviewer who um, was a bit combative, hmm. um, and actually, after after um, that interview, I I really thought I wasn't going to get the job. Do you think it was that it was like a face they were putting on, or do you think that it was someone who was just um, a combative person? It's really hard to tell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, what do you when you say they were combative? Like, in what way were they like? Um, yeah, that's uh, that's not right. Or, or were they were they like, like not heckling you as you were doing the problem, but being like dismissing whatever you say? Or was it more like, um, was it more like when you were asking questions outside of the technical problem? Um, I was I was asking some like follow up questions, like to trying, their questions. Yeah, yeah. I was okay. trying to dig, to dig deeper into what they were they were asking me to do, um, kind of clarifying the question and um i don't know if maybe i asked a dumb question i'm not sure but he got more and more annoyed as i or he seemed more and more annoyed the more questions that i asked but was he unclear you were asking questions i assume because he was unclear in the initial setup yes okay yeah um that's interesting. Uh, did you ever work with any of these people after you uh, got into Google? As far as I know, I never saw them again. So but... you never saw them again. They basically appeared and then disappeared. Yeah. <laughs> after you and after it, the interview. You know, I don't remember their faces specifically. I don't remember their names, and so I could have seen them in the office afterwards and just not. Yeah, that kind of looks familiar. But do you yeah. do, is that common at Google where? The, you go on a team and the people on the team don't meet you beforehand to interview you? It's it's like oh. other people? So during the interview process, you do meet your team ahead of time, uh, from for industry hires at least. Okay. Uh, but they don't interview you per se. It's like a, you go through the technical interview process, then once you've passed that... And that's like other people that are yeah. disconnected. Yeah, that's like whoever... That's that's the, the you go through the standard software engineering process. Then you go through team matching, and during the team matching phase, that's when you meet potential teams, and then you both say like whether or not you you think it's a good fit. Hmm. Did you interview other people when you were at Google? I did one interview my last week. That's interesting. They let you do interviews when you're already leaving, yes. or they didn't know. <laughs> um, I, I assume that the recruiting team did not know. I gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. But someone knew. Uh, or no. I, yeah, 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 someone oh, knew. Someone someone knew. knew. <laughs> I've had, I feel like, well, wireless generation at least, I, you know, I left and I had, a, I had a few weeks later and it was a breath of fresh air because they took all my, uh, they like immediately took all my interviews down and I was like, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, so um, I did that interview uh, because I, I, 
I didn't leave Google because I hated it. Um, right. Yeah. Right. This is not a um, – I think a lot of the information that you get out there from ex-employees is often like disgruntled ex-employee. Yeah. And I think one of the people yeah. why a lot of people want to listen to you is that uh, I think you can provide um, – I'm about to say the word objective, and I think that's 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 kind of right, but kind of maybe a more balanced view than than you might get. Yeah, balance Otherwise, is probably right. Objective. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I want to get a robot. <laughs> we want to get we want to get your impression today. Um, I think that would be very helpful. So tell me about the interview roundups at Google. What what happens in there? You, you have a bunch of people saying, "Is this guy googly?" <laughs> Begin. <laughs> so interview roundups. That's yeah. that's there's an assumption there. Yeah. So at Foursquare, yeah, we, we do interview roundups in person. At Google, you do not meet with the other interviewers. Okay. You write an assessment, um, and then another group called the hiring committee reviews your assessment, and and they try to be objective. So they read your text. Yes. You write, like, interesting. Okay. Yeah, so you do a write-up on, on the individual, and then another group looks at your write-up and then determines whether or not so you have hire so them. you have no idea so you once you do your write up that's it you don't see that again yep so in some ways that takes off the stress of well what you there is always that thing in the back of your mind if you have to meet up again later well is mine going to be very different from other people's and and this has happened to me where my mm-hmm. assessment was different from everyone else's so people turn to me and say like you know why are you what are you seeing that we're not yeah. And then I either have to be like, look, man, I was exhausted. I have no idea what I yeah. saw. Or or I have a strong opinion. But yeah, it's, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah. It was designed in this way to be, to try to be more objective and take out, take out some of the biases. But it's yeah. also, I don't know how I feel about it. I, I kind of have mixed feelings about the, the whole hiring committee thing. Because then you, you can't defend your candidate either. Right. So um, if you think this guy is amazing, I want him on my team or her on my team. Sorry. But like, it's like you can't you can't really do that. Yeah, yeah. And there have definitely been times where, at at Foursquare, I think I I was the I've I've been the the one voice in the room to say no or the one voice in the room to say yes. Yeah, I have too. Um, and it's yeah, it's it's interesting that you you just have to make sure that you put a lot more information into your write up. Right, but you don't know whether you're going to be that person beforehand. Sometimes. Exactly. So exactly. Uh, so so it's almost like yeah. you you have to be more proactive about what you write and. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like the the majority of the time you're kind of, yeah, they passed my interview, but let's see what happens, kind of a thing. So it's mm-hmm. like, um, so so in those those ones you don't have to worry. It's when you're you, you kind of know when you're sticking your neck out. Do you yeah. think that like. The interviewers have a veto. Like, if you if you interview someone and say definitely not, uh, do you think the hiring committee sees that and says, okay, I guess they're out, or, or do they actually um, look at the positive I'm, ones as well? I'm sure they look at the positive ones as well because yeah. they don't want to um, introduce bias. And it could be that someone's saying definitely not for a really dumb reason. Yeah. Um, Are people kind of petty like that? Like, like what, what would be a dumb reason that you think people might put? Uh, I mean, it could just be that they're a bad interviewer. It, yeah. It's not necessarily because they're, they're um, like, for example, someone coming right out of the school. Um, so you have to be at Google for a year before you can interview. But let's oh, say see. someone okay. came right out of school. They they were themselves part of really, really bad interview processes, maybe. Um, then they come up with a question that's not very good. Um, and 
Uh, yeah, and it's easy to botch the question too. Like yeah. you're trying to, you're, you're <laughs> I, yeah. I do that on the show a lot. I botch the question. Yeah, and it could or, be they're they're asking yeah. something too specific, um, and they're like, "Well, why why isn't the candidate getting this?" Um, yeah, yeah, here's so, like the one thing that I know. Why don't they know the one thing that I know? Uh, type of a thing too. Yeah, well, I mean, the, these people could be like very good engineers, just not good at interviewing because they're, they're yeah. separate skills, right? Yeah. Um, so do, yeah. yeah. So do you think that they're recruiting and hiring process I, I said you're kind of um you're not over the moon about it what do you think is the the biggest issue there like what's your impression of like how uh do you think they're hiring the right people do you think they're missing people that they should be hiring do you think they're that, absolutely missing people that they should be hiring and do you think they're just not getting those people in the door or do you think once they get in the door they're just kind of falling that they're just not being um, treated fairly by the interview process I don't fair fairly is an interesting, okay. interesting word. Yeah. Like so, I, I'm not I'm not saying that the interview process isn't fair per yeah. se. Um it's more like there are people who are really good software engineers yeah. that are never going to be good at interviewing at Google. Do you think that they would there could be good engineers who might not be good at working at Google either, but do you think that yeah. there's a disconnect between good at interviewing and good at working I feel yeah, like there is definitely a disconnect. There is in every company, though. But yeah. you think there's something in particular about Google's hiring um, process? That's well, like, I think I think one thing about Google is that they can rely on on the fact that so many people apply. That if if they let good people fall through the cracks, it's not a big deal because they get so many good applicants. Yeah, and I think that they they rely on that a lot. Um, Hmm. There are definitely a lot of great people who fall through the cracks. I know plenty of great people who have interviewed at Google and not gotten the job, uh, but have gone on after after not getting that interview, like maybe within the same month getting hired by Instagram or at Foursquare and then excelling at those companies. Right. Do you, uh, you mentioned like kind of a grumpy interviewer, and I've I've known people who have experienced that at Google. Like, how is that? like a good face to put on it doesn't seem like a good face to put on the company if you have like you know people coming in and interviewing people that are just kind of uh, grumpy or combative or whatever do they is is there anyone telling engineers who are doing interviews like this is how to conduct an interview do they give you mm-hmm. um do they give you general overviews of what not to do or do they just say go i have no input or, they they uh, have a a class actually that you have to take in order to be an interviewer okay. then you have to go through a shadowing process so you have to observe other people uh conducting interviews then other people have to observe you conducting interviews um so they they do have a formal process um but that's not going to prevent grumpy interviewers because you're going to have bad days sometimes yeah. and it could be that um also people put on their best face when they're being watched right even right. if they're not like mindful of it yeah, yeah um so that i'm sure that that's part of it too yeah another another thing um the the incentives around interviewing aren't very good um for the interviewer or the interviewee for the interviewer. Yeah, so the person giving the interview. Yeah, yeah. so um, you're incentivized to spend as little time as possible with the candidate because generally inter- interviews aren't, they're not um, helping your team specifically. 
Oh, I see. So it's like, well, you're kind of measured on how you help your team. And so this is just time that, um, you know, maybe you get a checkbox off that you did this, but it doesn't matter whether you did a good or bad job. Right. Exactly. Hmm. Um, And so you can't, like, you can't really blame people for not putting more effort into being a good interviewer because right. it's not it's not going to help them excel at Google if they're a better interviewer. I um, see. I see. I mean, it's yeah. important. I mean, that's an important thing that a company does is interviewing. So it's yeah, I agree. I, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So that that's something. Um, that's that's something that bothered me a little bit um, yeah. because I, I talked to so many people who just didn't prepare for interviews. And, and I saw it in my own interviewers. Like one guy came in and he didn't know what question he was going to ask me when he first yeah. walked in the door. He was like, oh, uh, what am I going to ask? What am I going to ask? And it actually gave me a little bit yeah. of anxiety. <laughs> I mean, I do that sometimes, but I'm really good at uh, coming up with something on the spot that nobody ever suspects. But that's the that's the mm-hmm. podcaster in me. So <laughs> I... Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it just it made me feel like he totally didn't prepare because he clearly didn't. He yeah. hadn't looked at my resume at all before walking in. Yeah, to yeah. The room. You at least want to say, hey, yeah. I, I I read your resume. I interviewers maybe don't need to be read them that carefully. You just want to get a good sense of where this person's coming from. Yeah, Sometimes I want to hear someone tell me, uh, you know, their their career in their own words. Uh, sometimes yeah. more helpful than yeah, the resume. See what they focus on. That's true for sure. Um, yeah. yeah, I just. Uh, there's um there's a tech influencer uh Kate uh Kate Hudson not Hudson How Huston 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 H- is H- Kate Hudson some <laughs> other celebrity I uh yeah Kate I, Hudson is an actress Kate Huston is uh she's she's a a software engineer who okay. has written a lot of articles on like tech culture but I really uh I really enjoy her perspective on interviewing. And one thing that she said uh, in one of her writings from years ago um, is that, like, for an interviewee, the interview is probably the most important thing that they're doing that day. Right. And uh, that really struck me. I hadn't really thought about it like that before. I mean, I've, I've always cared about candidates. But yeah. that... For some people, it's the most important thing they're doing that week or even that year. Yeah. And especially Google, Google's one of those companies that is a dream for some people. Like it's it's their dream to work there. Right. And the fact that some people come into, into the room with no preparation or they're grumpy, like I'm sure that they're not thinking about that from the candidate's perspective. Right, right, right. Yeah. I think, um, it's interesting. I, I always get I get more nervous when I'm interviewing someone than when I'm being interviewed. I feel like if I'm being interviewed, it's kind of fun. It's like a game. When I'm interviewing someone, I'm cognizant of the fact that I'm representing the company, and also I'm cognizant of the fact that um, you know there are certain uh, legal and there are certain legal requirements on me, and there are certain. Um, I guess, professionalism requirements on me. When I'm being interviewed, I feel free. There's literally nothing I could say that's illegal if I'm interviewing at a company. <laughs> I, I love that asymmetry. But, uh, but, uh, that's true. Yeah. but it's, uh, it's, I mean, the illegal stuff is pretty straightforward. Right, right, right. Um, I, 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 yeah, but um, I, I, I feel freer when I'm being interviewed because I just like, okay, the worst thing that can happen is not being hired. 
But I guess if you put all your eggs in this one basket and this is your dream, then then it is nerve-wracking. And I think another thing that it could even throw me off is if someone comes in and you could tell they're either combative or there's something about them that's off, then I can go from relaxed to nervous very quickly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. So I think anything else on the recruitment process before we go on? Um, we can go on because I got a lot. To, yeah. I'm trying to... to... I feel like there was something else that I wanted to say. Uh, oh, it can be really long. Yeah. That's, so. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. So um, one thing that, that Google is working on is making the process take less time. Um, yeah. Which I think part of, part of the problem is that write-up process. Like after you give an interview, you have to do that write-up. And it, it takes a lot of time. And really, probably what they should do is just instead of scheduling a 45-minute interview, they schedule two hours on your calendar so that you yeah. have enough time. They yeah. find like a two-hour block where you're free so that you have enough time to do the write-up. Yeah, I love right when I have a one-hour interview and then someone schedules like, oh, can I talk to you for the 20 minutes beforehand? I'll slip it in your calendar. And it's like, like then, then you're just running. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like, please, please give problem me this anywhere. space. Yeah, yeah. That's always a problem when all, all the meetings kind of stack up against each other. Then you know mm-hmm. you have too many meetings. Yeah. Um, and we'll talk about that and what, what the life is of, of kind of a, a middle manager, upper manager. Maybe it's uh, – anyway. Um, okay, so l- let's move on. I, I also want to ask, like, you start at Google, first mm-hmm. few weeks, first month. Did anything surprise you in your first few weeks? Um, yes. There were a few things. Like, one, the free food is, like, better than I anticipated. Like, it's so good. <laughs> yeah, I was there on, on Friday last week. Um, and yeah, it's pretty good. Just grab a plate and it's all, it's all, it's, it's not just like, um, good cafeteria food. It's like, um, it's like being at a nice restaurant every yeah. day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's really, really good. Yeah. Uh, so that was one thing. The food, food was great. Um, and there are healthy options. Yes. It's, it's really easy to eat healthy at Google. That's good. Um, yeah. Um, uh, another was the emphasis on user privacy. Hmm. Um, before, before joining, I didn't really think about it that hard, but I, I almost like assumed that they looked at some of my Google history as a candidate. Like I I thought maybe they looked at what accounts I had or something. Yeah. Um, Or what I searched. Oh God. (laughs) Thank God they did not. Yeah. No, but that's like, if someone tried to do that, they would get fired a hundred percent. Yeah. Like 100% they would be fired. Well, could you try? Is it set up so you really can't try to do that? or is um, it... It's possible. So I was on the forms team. Like, like if you put in a, a query that you can't do and it comes back, sorry, that you're not allowed, do you, do you then get in trouble or it's like, hey, I guess I'm not allowed, whatever? Oh, no. It's more like I'm, I'm not allowed. But um, like I was on the forms team, for yeah. example. And so I could look up specific user information about forms. Right. But if I looked up that information on a specific user for some personal reason, even if the personal reason was related to like hiring a candidate, right. like that, that would, I would get fired. For so that. it would be like, like a customer request. They have to, is it, can you look into someone's form if, even if they didn't request it? Um, it depends on the situation. Like okay. there, there has to, there has to be some valid reason, like either. So I was, I was on the, um, on-call rotation, for example. So I could look up form information if I got paged yeah. while, while being on call. So if something broke, 
like to to the point where a user couldn't access a form or it was um, degrading service for a lot of users. Then then I could look into it, or if a specific user had an issue, then I could look into it. But um, I couldn't look at all information on the form, even gotcha. in that that situation. Like um, there were there was always some information that was hidden. Like it was always a on a need to know basis. Yeah. And only I only looked at like I only got access to all form information um, for internal users who had issues and only if gotcha. they specifically gave me access. Is there some kind of like, you know, kind of government clearance thing where the higher you get or the longer you stay, you get more security privileges? Or is that uh, like how uh, does it work for people who are? Like the, the the people running the whole forms team or the people running the whole docs team. What, what, no, what do they, do? they don't get more access. I mean, no. they they might have like some of the the more veteran forms people probably also have some access to other Google Docs like Sheets, right? Or uh, yeah, probably <clears throat> only Sheets, but not uh, still only need to know and yeah. And it, it's it's not so, like you accumulate more security clearance over time because right. everything has a shelf life. But what like there is a security team dealing with this. Yes. So who who does that? Like what are they? Um, they might have access to things. Um. Or or are they all kind of checking on each other? They they sort of like have uh, logs of what everyone's doing. So there's a whole team at Google that focuses on. Um, that focuses on internal risk. Okay. So there's a team that looks at the logs of your access. Yeah. Um, so, so they will they will look at your logs specifically for you. Like they will do, this is today we're going to look at Miriam's logs and see what, what's up. No, it's more like there's an automated process that flags certain things. So if I yeah. if I looked if I did a, a query on a specific user, like yeah. that might get flagged. Okay. And then they'll... Um, They'll look at that specific query, and um, in theory, if I'm a good actor, that uh, so in, in actuality, when I was like doing my job, my if I had a, a, a query on a specific user, it was because um, there was some like some something that broke related to that user, and so I would have a an ID for the page, yeah, that required me to make that that request but um even if there is an id if they see a pattern like oh wait she did this she did this uh request for this user like three times this month like that's kind of weird or three times this year and then they look up the user id and it turns out that user is a celebrity like that that might be a situation or maybe it's not a celebrity maybe it's another google employee like okay right. why why is why is she doing this yeah, like what yeah i mean it yeah. could be simply that the google employee is asking for a favor to like get fix their form but that wouldn't yeah, be that, wouldn't, that, that wouldn't that be wouldn't allowed. be allowed yeah. okay so yeah. um yeah but um there have been kind of security breaches in google there was the google plus i, I don't really know exactly what happened there but um do, is that the same team or is that a different team that kind of worries about that um, different team. Yeah. Okay. Google has a lot of different security. Do you have much insight into what was going on there? Or? Um, I don't know which incident you're referring to. I, Google Plus has been on the news for, uh, well, they're shutting it down faster now because of a security issue, like user data was leaked. I see. So. Um, 
Yeah, there that the team that dealt with that was probably the security team for Google Plus. That's right. What, that would be what I would guess, which is totally separate from this internal risk team. Right. Okay. Interesting. All right. So I want to turn to speaking of Google Plus. I, I do want to turn to Google's product development process um, because that's one thing that we've been talking a lot about on the show. You know, how did these new products come out? Why does it seem like across the board in tech we're getting less new products now? So you were on the Google Forms team, and for those of you who are on, unaware, there's Google Docs, Google Sheets, Google uh, Presentations, but Forms is kind of um, an additional one mm-hmm. um, that's maybe a little more hidden because it's not when I click over, it only shows me those three. Yeah. But you could actually have Forms to send out, send a, to a bunch of people, and then it fills in the spreadsheet for you. Yeah, so um, it's just a general survey tool. Yeah, yeah, survey tool. Um, so that's part of the larger Google Docs team, right? Yes. Okay. So from my point of view, and tell me if I'm wrong or tell me if I'm, I'm you know, just, well, uh, it seems like these products have not changed that much in the last decade just from like my personal usage. But I know that sometimes there's a lot going on under the hood. So do you think that the product roadmap is aggressive enough? What do you think is the, uh, what do you think, why do you think well, there's that perception? That's a really, that's a really interesting question. Um these teams are always adding new features. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's always under, it's frequently under the hood. And a lot of times what's happening is that they're making redesigns uh, associated with infrastructure changes. So the user would never see so those updates. Like, in other never words, know that those updates it might are. run faster. It <laughs> might make it easier for you to debug problems. Yeah. But um, it doesn't, um, and you need to do that from time to time, particularly when you have a very old product. Um, it's important to go through these maintenance uh, things. Yes. But you kind of hope that it leads to cooler things you can do with the product in the future. Yeah. But I, I do think that a lot of these teams are doing a lot of new, cool new features. But one of the problems is awareness. Like, how do you tell the user about these cool new features, especially if the, if the like, large um, visual hasn't changed very much? Like, how does the user know... Yeah. That these new features well, are maybe it'll help give us an example of something that was released to the public, you know, when you were there or even in the last year. Um, for forms, maybe, or Google yeah, Docs so, in general. So, um, one of the things that we released while I was there that I had the, the opportunity to work on was adding, um, adding a question type to the survey tool, allowing um, users to, to upload files. Um, oh, I see. Yeah, that's helpful. Like, hey, upload an p- image of yourself or something, or upload. Yeah, uh, and yeah. The the feature upload already a, yeah. existed. Upload your your resume if it's like a. F- yeah. Yeah. So that that feature already existed for um for a particular business. Like if like, Foursquare for example uses Google the Google Docs. Um, right. Sweet. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so internally, we could have used that feature, but. Um, it was actually a big engineering effort to make it available to any user. Right. Um, and there was there was a lot that went into it. And, um, yeah, I think uh, when a user opens up a, a new form, like maybe a modal came up to say, like, okay, here's this new thing, but who actually reads those? Like, you're just, yeah. you just X out of those immediately. So you can see that there's a new question type, but if you don't know that it's new, it just doesn't seem like anything's changed. I mean, exactly. I don't use Google Forms 
uh, that much. I actually yeah. don't really use it at all. So right. I, uh, I because I don't I don't have kind of a use case for it. Maybe I will use Google Forms though to send out a survey for uh, for this show. Uh, but um, yeah, we'll see. Uh, I, I don't think I need to have people upload files, but then then I might start noticing changes. One thing that I noticed haven't changed because I've been using Google Docs for years and years for all my scientific for all my like engineering documents. Yeah. The equation editor, like, wh- why is the equation editor just kind of languished? Um, I feel like there were lots of bugs in it, maybe that were fixed, but um, it seems like it's kind of hard to use. And maybe, am I, is it because I'm the only one using it? Everyone else just likes to use LaTeX instead and just not use I, that I don't know why my, it is. That would be my guess. So and basically, it, like, no one uses I'm the only one who uses the Google well, the that, equation editor? That's probably not true. You're probably not yeah. the only one. But, you know, there's there's more important things to work on. Um, especially. That's crazy. Especially. Yeah. So there are add-ons. Yeah. And if an add-on solves a problem, then... Yeah. Wait, there is an add-on where I can get a better equation editor? I think so. Oh. I say I think so because I'm not 100% sure. Yeah. I know I know that there's one for Google Forms. Yeah. And so if there's one for Google Forms, there has to be one for Google The problem Docs. with LaTeX is it's not, um, you know, I, I can't put it up. It, Google Docs is nice because I can edit it from anywhere. Yes. Um, I can have people uh, uh, collaborate with me. Yeah. You can't do that with just a document, so like I a mean, text document. You can, so. but but you'd have to put it on GitHub or something. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That's not. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, it's a much better interface. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Agreed. So I'm surprised that it's not uh, as popular feature. I guess that's just for me. I guess yeah. like, it's always it, like my feature isn't being worked on, so I'm angry type of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah this, this always happens. Yeah. yeah. All right. So, how much of the time is spent on like political arguments for the direction of these products, or you just kind of go and implement what what the team wants? Um. So what's interesting, uh, at Google, we had a lot less say on product, on the, on the like product roadmap than, than at Foursquare. Hmm. Uh, and I think even on my team, we probably had more say than a lot of other teams. Um, like we, we would have brainstorming sessions on things we could do, but ultimately, um, a lot of, a lot of, um, a lot of the roadmap was driven top down, um, and uh, like as an as a as an individual contributor, you really just don't have that much say in how the product's going to change. Have you been in any of the product roadmap meetings? Um, that's an interesting. Like, not not in the way that we had them at Foursquare. Okay. Well, I was asking, like, are they are they boring meetings or are they animated? Especially like when there's a disagreement. So we I, we had a we had a meeting that we called Moonshots. Okay. Uh, for for forms where we talked about like what what are some crazy ideas for things that that we could do with forms in the future. Yeah. And we we would like each person came with with some ideas and we kind of talked through them, and um, some of those ideas ended up forming the roadmap but um it was definitely it wasn't like we were planning 
the roadmap in that meeting. It was more like a like what what's possible to do. Well, that, yeah, that sounds like a more fun meeting. But yeah. I'm saying, but I feel like then they're like, okay, then the real people get to get. I, this happens yeah. to me a lot where they ask me for fun ideas, but then the then the other people get together and make the decision. Yeah, exactly. And then and sometimes those meetings, and you can always there are two types of product meetings when there's disagreements. It's either animated and everyone's excited or it's just boring and it's a bunch of people and then like somebody sits there in 10 minutes and explains in a monotone voice why we need to do it that way and yeah. that's it but I, I was just wondering if you if you because it's almost like there's two types of engineers what what did you find I guess you weren't involved maybe in those arguments as much but what yeah how, um, how, how do you think it goes or I, you don't have to answer this question if you don't want but I don't I I honestly couldn't say. Pass, pass. Yeah, pass. All right. <laughs> we already covered on the show uh, Google Plus and Google Hangouts being shut down. Mm-hmm. And I guess my question is, do you think there's something inherent in Google's product and engineering culture that is contributing to these outcomes? And I think the other part of that question that, that I've written here is like sometimes it's like, okay, you try some things and they don't work and that's kind of expected. But do you think there was something they could have done in their product and engineering culture that would have made these more likely to be successful? Um, so I, I feel like, uh, I only worked on forms okay. and so I can only really speak to, tell, tell us speak about to Google apps. Tell us about your experience in forms and how it relates to this and then yeah. what, how it relates to Google plus and Google Hangouts. We can kind of speculate, but yeah. uh, you're here to tell us your experience. So, yes. so give us your experience. So, so, uh, for us, it just felt very siloed between engineering, marketing, and even like user feedback, um, yeah, it, it, it felt very. So you didn't really hear a lot of user feedback. We we did hear some for okay. sure. Um, there there was a community guy who um, we had a meeting with every week, and he would he would tell us um, some of the biggest pain points from from um, our most influential users. Yeah, um, and that was very very good. But I also. It, it felt like we weren't listening to them at the same time. Um, right. Or at least not prioritizing user feedback as much as we should have. Hmm. Um, I don't, I don't want to criticize too much because I, I know that a so, lot of... Sometimes you got to... Fo- well, as we know in Foursquare, like sometimes you got to focus on certain things and users yeah. can, can push you in many different directions. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but it, it, seemed, it definitely felt like user feedback was not... Or user happiness was not as important as it should have been, so uh, if, from my perspective. So which, if that wasn't yeah. important, what was important? Um, it was more important finding new business opportunities. Okay. So find yeah, like new new business opportunities were more important than user satisfaction. So get everyone in. Don't necessarily keep them happy, but get them in, and they kind of stay there, and then get new people in. Yeah, yeah, and that that's specific to forms, and right? Probably, probably all of the um, Google Google uh, Docs, Drive, slot, Sheet slides. Like, I, I kind of got yeah. that vibe from from all of those groups. And I do want to say too that the forms team was a really great team, and I feel like um, we we did listen to each other a lot on the engineering side. Uh, I don't want to. I know it's sounding like. Like oh we don't listen to our users we right. we we did listen to users internally and we um we listened to each other a lot and I, I yeah. think like the team dynamics for that team specifically were really good okay. uh, it's just like engineering was siloed from marketing and 
gotcha product gotcha um more more so than we than what my experience at foursquare was cool Cool. All right. Well, we'll see what happens when you come back. <laughs> you'll see. It. You'll get to tell us how things have yeah, changed. It could be totally All different. All right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So uh, now let's go to the search product. This mm-hmm. is what the people want to know. The results and autocorrect suggestions can actually change the way that people see the world. Uh, how do the people working on this, uh, you know, think about uh, the weight of what they're doing? That is a great question. Um, I honestly don't have very much insight into the search team. Yeah. Uh, I know a few people who've, who have worked on search either currently or in the past. Um, but my, my guess would be that a lot, of, a lot of people don't think about it. They probably think about their day-to-day stuff more yeah. than their impact on society. On like, yeah, millions yeah. and millions of people. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I did watch Sundar Pichai uh, at, you know, parts of his uh, thing in, on Congress the other day. So he says that Google can't manipulate individual search results. Uh, do you think that the Google search team helps out certain organizations who want things scrubbed from their results or think they're being treated unfairly? I don't think they play favorites. Um, yeah, I would assume that they, they do. do. Do you think they ever – not? Well, I mean, not advertently, but like, yeah. do you think they say, oh, wow, this is like super unfair. We've got to fix this. Um, or do they say, hey, we just have a roadmap and if it's unfair, it's unfair. It's sorry, you're screwed. I'm sure that while they're testing um, changes to algorithms, um, they they probably have a list of queries that they do sanity checks with. Yeah, and so they could play favorites in that way. Um, yeah, because we have sanity checks at Force with certain like restaurants and stuff. Yeah, so that's why, um, like, <laughs> when we think about Foursquare, like w- when we were working on Foursquare Search, for example, we did a lot of queries in New York, right? And we did a lot of sanity checks within New York, and so um, it Foursquare, I'm sure, worked better in New York than anywhere else. Yeah, for that reason, and. Um, there could be something similar happening with testing, although the testing at Google is much more uh, complex and complete than than right. any of the testing that we right. we've done at Foursquare. Um, okay, so now if people want to know about political bias. I'm not gonna mm-hmm. I'm not gonna ask does Google have political bias, but but I, I want to know how the people think about their job there. So mm-hmm. do the people at Google consider the fact that their results might have a political bias or is this just considered kind of, you know, impossibility given the way that we do things here? I'm sure that some people believe that there is political bias. In, 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 at Google? Yes, at Google. I'm sure that yeah. there are employees who believe that. Um, I don't, and it, there, there are many ways that it can leak in, um, but it's not, it's not from like one individual. Yeah. It, it would come in through um, like uh, bad sampling, hmm. for example, or like biased biased um, input to machine learning algorithms. Yeah, stuff stuff like that. Um, do you think that th- these questions get more direct now? <laughs> do you think that, <laughs> do you think that employees take complaints from Democrats more seriously than complaints from Republicans when it comes mm. to search result, or vice versa? Sorry, yeah. <laughs> I almost turned over my glass of water. Um, 
That's a really good question. And I, I it's hard for me to say because I, I think that there are most certainly some Republicans who work on search and there are most certainly some Democrats who work on search. Right. And I'm sure that for the individual, they're going to take the complaints of their party more seriously. Yeah. Um, and I do think that there are complaints on both sides. Um, People don't realize that there could be problems on both sides, like either like um, like to, to get into the gender issue that we're going to talk about. People think like uh, a workplace can either be pro uh, man or pro woman, but it's possible that you could have problems for for both genders. So yeah, uh, you know, you, it is possible to have problems that are kind of different for for both sides of right. politics as well. Right. I think. Um, right. I obviously uh, my political <laughs> my political beliefs are um, going to bias my answer to this too. Like I, I think that I personally think that the the issues with right-wing news articles are much worse than the problems that are associated with What do you mean issues with, like, so, I mean, like, they feel like their news is not making it on the results enough? No, 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 that, that, um, bad, like, bad articles that are right-wing are coming up for things that they shouldn't be coming up You think they come up more often? Yes, yeah. All right, one more one more hard, one more question along these lines, and then I have a more. Then I'm going to step out. It's going to be more. Then I have a great question after this one. So, uh, once we get to this one, do you think there are a number of high up employees in search who would have altered search results to defeat Trump if they thought they could have done it? Oh, that's a really, that's a really good question. Um. So, one. You asked about something that was surprising. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go back to that. So one thing that really surprised me is the, like, Google scale is so big. Right. Uh, both from from a code perspective, from a user perspective, and from an employee perspective. Like, there are tens of thousands of employees at Google. Um, and, like, there, I think there are 7,000 people just in the New York office. And so... Um, one thing that's wait, wait, wait. 10k total, 7k in New York wouldn't most no, of them no, no, be? no, tens of thousands of employees. I oh, think 10k, like there could be 50k or something. Yeah. I think they're more like a hundred k. Okay, okay, but gotcha. I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah, exactly how many? How many? That makes sense. Seven percent New York makes sense to me. Yeah. Even even if it's not, it could be three percent. It could be yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, so hundreds are sorry, tens of thousands of employees. 7k are in New York. Um, it takes. It takes some really, um, like strong, strong leaders, like strong, bold people, to cause any kind of change within Google. Yeah. Um, and I, I got to know uh, some of the names of these people who were really fighting for justice within Google. Um, I don't want to call them out specifically or anything, but. Sure. But, um, yeah, there are actually many amazing people at Google who they must spend so many hours per week um, focusing on just making positive change in the company. And I could imagine. In, in, in what? 
in what sense? Like um, it could be could be that um, so that there there was a recent issue with um, Google uh, machine learning. Google, some some of Google's machine learning tools being used by the Department of Defense. Okay. Um, and I I don't know the details of that. All right. Um, I should say, but there were employees who posted a public. So first, they there were employees who internally uh, were sending things out about this, like, hey, um, like what's up with this deal. Yeah. Uh, what's going on with this? And there were other people who kind of joined in like, oh, well, I have this information um, and it seems bad. So let's get some more information about it. So th- like there are people who organize employees internally to help fight yeah. ethics issues. To help. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so I believe like in, in order to do something like that, you kind of have to be a radical person. Yeah. And so with all that being said, yes, there are probably people in search who would have sacrificed their jobs to help influence the direct the the election um to prevent Trump from being president. Wow. Yeah. I totally believe that there there are people who would have that desire. Yeah. Now did could they have done it? Could they have done it? I, I don't yeah, probably well, not. Yeah. I yeah. um, I mean yeah, I, I happen. You to would think, have to have a lot yeah. of people banded together to make something like that happen. Well, I, I I happen to think that there's never like there's rarely uh, someone behind the curtain pulling the strings. But I think that a lot of problems come in just by all these people doing their day to day work, and then you know these problems come up and nobody focuses on it, and then and then and then, yeah. you, then you could have bias that yeah. way. Yeah, it's really yeah. easy to to focus on stuff task by task and not take a step back and think about the larger picture. Like what are the ethical issues that are coming because of my changes? Now I think Google does a really good job about um, asking those questions from a user privacy perspective. Yeah. Um, But maybe not from an ethics perspective, but it's a really hard problem. And I, I don't want to bash Google for it because I think the tech, yeah. the entire tech industry, isn't good about this. It was funny. I was when I was listening to the Sundar's uh, thing. I mean, I didn't. I actually didn't like listening to him that much. I felt like he was dodging a lot of questions. But one of the t- questions I thought was ridiculous was like, if I go from this seat to that seat, the the senator or congressman said, I don't know. I wasn't paying attention to who it was. He's like, if I move from here to here, does Google know about it? And he's like, I don't know. And then he goes, You're paid like a billion dollars. How could you not know that? But it's like, um, it's uh, it's. I feel like the answer is probably, you know, no, the phone doesn't know that directly, but maybe someone can get that indirectly or yeah, through, yeah. through a bot. So, right. yeah, but it's good to hear that they actually take the the privacy portion of it seriously, at least internally. Yeah. Um, okay, so to get end up with the pointed questions that I got from online, I I, I, I want to sum up the 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 search with with a question that I wrote, which hopefully I think could kind of give us an idea of, you know, what the culture is around search. Or maybe this is a good question. I don't know. I thought of it last night. So here, here it is. I'm going to give you three philosophies mm-hmm. when it comes to search results. And the question is, of these three, which are valued most and least by employees' leadership? Number one, 
distribution of search results should reflect the truth of the situation. Number two, distribution of search results should reflect the distribution of sites and content on the internet properly weighted. And number three, search results should contain a broad diversity on the first page. Yeah, that's a, that's a really, really great question, and I honestly don't know the answer. You don't um, know? Did they talk about all three? And no, um, it's more Google search is it's only one team at Google. But do they say like? And and I don't have any insight yeah. into. What if they say like this one? I think is is like this page. I think is more factual, but this page is different from the first page. So this should also be an option on the first, or it should be like, well, this third page is actually like more common on the internet. So I think that should be first. So I, I feel like I, there's. Yeah, I think I think the question is a really good one, uh, but I I just I don't know the answer because yeah. I'm not. I never worked with the search team, and I feel like I would have to have a better working relationship. With if I them. if I were in Congress, that's what I would have asked the CEO the other day. Um, mm-hmm. Although I don't know if that was the reason for the hearing, but mm-hmm. that would have been what I was interested in. Okay, so um, all right, so now the next section is the uh, the James Damore memo. Great. You were. Uh, don't worry, I'm not going to make you <laughs> give like a. a, a uh, a counter uh, uh, manifesto or anything like that on the show. There's, there's enough said about it on the internet, I think. Um, <laughs> so you were at Google when James Damore was fired for writing that memo titled yes. Google's Ideological Echo Chamber. Yes. First of all, did you find out about the memo internally through Google coworkers or, or communication from leadership, or did you find out like everybody else on social media? Um, I found out actually through Jeff Jenkins former Foursquare employee, my former manager and current Google employee. So you found out from another Google employee. Yes. Okay. Um, so and he messaged you directly. Um, he didn't message me directly. We we actually have a we have a um, group chat. Uh, it's like with a few former Foursquare employees in it. Um, and yeah, Jeff posted oh, uh, he just posted the link to it with no context. Yeah. Um, I was like, "Oh, this is like I think he probably just posted it because he one he thought we should know. Like Newsflash. Yeah, he's like you, yeah. you, you should know about this. Newsflash, and I, here's what I bet happened. Oh, no, this is just I, 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 Jeff could correct me if I'm wrong. I bet he's like Newsflash, and then let me subtitle it. And then I know if I was doing it, I would spend a few minutes on the subtitle and be like, "This is not worth it. Let me just yeah. send out the link." <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe that's exactly what happened. Yeah. He, I'm sure he couldn't find the words, but if if you know, yeah. If, for for those of you listening, you don't know Jeff Jenkins, but he he's a wonderful person, and uh, I I know that he was outraged by the memo, um, and that's why he couldn't find the words. So he just posted it, right. no context. That was it. Um, so I clicked on it, like, oh, what is this? <laughs> and um, like this was in July. Uh, yeah. So, uh, well, so I don't. The story I think broke, it was somewhere around there. Yeah. So the story the broke summer. in August. Um, yeah. Like early August. Oh, externally. I see. So you knew before. Yes, I okay. knew a, at least at least one week, but probably a couple of weeks before it it broke the news. Yeah. Uh, externally, um, and <laughs> so so I read it and I was enraged. Um, and the, so the the thing that really like got to me, I, it wasn't that someone had these opinions. Like, of course, people have these opinions. That's there's nothing new. Yeah. If you're a woman in the world, you have heard someone say this before. Um, 
what enraged me was that he wrote it in such a scientific way that if you weren't reading it critically, then you might just take it for fact. Um, and that, that like really enraged me because it's like, oh man, like I'm a person in STEM. I love math. I, I've written, um, I've written up like scientific things before and it just felt like, like, how can you, how can you use science in this way? Or how, how can you, how can you, yeah, you're, you're using, you're using this scientific language but you're not actually b- backing up your claims with facts. Like if you actually clicked on the links, um, a lot of them went to Wikipedia articles and not like sure. actual scientific articles and stuff. Like- yeah. So that was the thing that like really enraged me. And I had this moment like, should I share this with my team? And my team, um, the forms team, it's just so great. And I think um, I, I knew that if I shared it with people on the team, what their reaction would be there, they would be, um, I, I actually, let me take a step back. I had this moment, like, should I share it with the team? Should I post it in the team chat? Right, Um, right. It might be worth just not doing that sometimes. Yeah. And I I actually, I thought about it. I was like, no, because I was so enraged. I was like, you know what? It's just going to make everyone on the team mad. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I was like, it's just better if they don't know. Mm. Um, I didn't, I honestly, I didn't think like, oh, this guy should be fired. I didn't think like, I didn't even think it was that noteworthy. Right. Um, I saw that he put his name on it and that was surprising. I was hmm. like, wow, this person, they're dumb enough to put their name on this. Okay. And then I also thought in that, in that first initial moment, like, God, it would really suck to work with this person. Like, I wonder how many women this person has worked with. And then I actually looked him up. Um, I found his internal employee page, saw that he was an interviewer and got more angry because <laughs> mm. because then I thought like, oh, how many women didn't get a job at Google because this guy interviewed them? Um, yeah. Well, what if, what, well, this is not on my question, just a thought experiment. Mm-hmm. What if they asked you, hey, Miriam, uh, would you be willing to do it like a one-on-one talk with him and see what? Uh, oh, I w- see if you can hash things out. Would you have done it? Yeah, I would have. Hmm. In fact, there was a there was a um, a group that got together and did a um, like an anonymous chat yeah. setup thing. So uh, I did have a conversation with someone who was who agreed with the sentiments in the memo, um, and we had a really we actually had a really great conversation. Um, and I think it was a positive interaction. So yeah, I would have talked to this guy. So I want to get a sense, like, what was it like working at Google during those months? Were the the people in the office kind of eager to talk about it or were people doing everything they could to avoid the issue? Um, Were the people on the lunch table talking about it and you're like, I'm going to get up now. Like (laughs) sometimes I have to do that here, different issues, but yeah. Um, yeah. I think a lot of people were afraid to talk about it. Hmm. Um, like there were, there were, a lot of people were talking about it and being very vocal. Like, I really don't agree with this. I can't believe that you would say something like this. And I really appreciate that those people did that. But one thing that happened, and I, I don't think a lot of people have talked about this so much on the internet, but it, it, it was a big thing internally. Um, some of the people who opposed 
the memo most vocally actually got doxed. Hmm. So there were. So that means that their like what their address was posted online. Is that what that means? Yeah. Okay. So um, sure. So they they posted stuff internally about how they disagreed with the article, and then people who agreed with with the memo um, took screenshots and posted it online, and then um, it kind of spiraled out of control. And people, some of these people, yeah, their their address got leaked. They um, they were threatened, and all for comments that they posted internally on a private forum. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that that was a really bad thing, and I, and it made people scared to say anything. Hmm. Um, between because people who agreed with the memo were afraid to say it because this guy got fired for having these right. views or. Actually, one, th- I, one thing that You know what? I bet me, some of them were like, well, we're afraid to talk, so we're going to make them afraid to talk too. Yeah, I'm sure that that was part of it. And I, I also think like one thing that Google did badly was not say exactly why he got fired. That came up at a company meeting here at Foursquare. Did you know that? No. Somebody asked that anonymously at the company meeting. <laughs> I think the question was like, what's our stance on uh, James Damore getting fired? And yeah. I think the answer from from our was like, Google said that he violated their employment, their their code of conduct. They didn't say he violated Google code of conduct. The, the, the answer was very scripted. <laughs> Google says that he violated their code of conduct, and aside from that, no comment was basically yeah, what we got. There, there was no, <laughs> which is probably the right thing to do. Uh, from yeah, yeah, I I'm sure I'm sure like I'm sure it was hard because on the one hand it's like okay. A lot of a lot of people probably felt uncomfortable working with him after that, after he sure. post not not just because of his views, but because he decided to post it so publicly. Yeah, I mean, um, to me, that says he like is at least willing. Or, or, I mean, maybe he just didn't. I, I, maybe he just didn't get it. Like he was just like assigned to do this, so he's like, all right, I'll do yeah. it. But um, he could have also just been willing to be more upfront about it and have that conversation. Yeah. I, I Who knows exactly what all happened? Yeah. Yeah. We don't um, know him personally. And you know, yeah. Yeah. And I, I, but I don't, I don't think he got fired for having these opinions. I think he got fired because of the actions surrounding the opinions. Hmm. Um, but, but Google never really made that clear. Yeah. And I think that that was one thing that made a lot of people uncomfortable if they, agreed with parts of the memo. Sure. sure. Um, um, did the internal discussion at Google around diversity and gender change after James Damore was fired? Um, and, or did it change for the better or for the worse? Yeah, I don't it think it, I don't think it changed. Like, didn't change at all. I mean, I'm trying to think, I, I don't think that there was a specific shift in, there were already a lot of um, diversity meetings and a lot of um, really good internal thing, internal classes about bias and um, about gender and about um, microaggressions and um, there there's also there there have been a lot of good uh, Google studies on like what makes a good engineer that yeah. that uh, were at odds with what James Damore 
was saying in his memo. So all of these things were already talked about internally before the memo. I think what happened after the memo was that it made people more afraid to post things publicly. Um, yeah. And, but, but also it made people talk in smaller groups about what was going on. So, yeah, it, I don't think it changed the general, I don't think the company. It didn't change the direction of the, I think what you're trying to say, yeah. it didn't change the direction of the discussion, but it yeah. changed how the discussion was taking place. Yes, I, I would um, agree with that. Okay, yeah. so I, I want to get into some of the specifics around this, but so I guess the first question is that we kind of brought up at the beginning was, like, do you think that Google is uh, a better environment for one gender or another? You mentioned one interview said it is not a, a, a women-friendly workplace. Can you tell me a little bit about some of the specifics around that? Yes. So I think any large any large organization is going to reflect society and it, and you're not going to be able to get around that once you hit a certain number of people, right? So Yeah. um just like larger society um Yeah, I think it's harder for women at Google but it's harder for women, period. So I, I don't think it's a Google-specific thing. So it's not a Google problem. It's a... Um, but what were the well, specific <laughs> complaints that your interviewer came up with? Like maybe, um, yeah. I, I honestly don't remember her specific okay. complaints. But I can't... But you have... Do you yeah. have any complaints? Um, okay. I have... I, I honestly had a really good experience at Google overall uh, from, a, from, a, from that perspective. But I did have one interesting... Um, I had one meeting once where like I was the engineer yeah for this meeting and it was like it was a, a product discussion kind of um basically I was I had a meeting with another team to talk about um what features they were going to be implementing over the next quarter or two that were related to something that I was working on okay so it was my work, my engineering work that was being impacted. Right. And um, I scheduled this meeting with... So they're ba- it's basically about work that you're set to do. Yes. Okay. And um, I think I made that pretty clear in the when I scheduled the, the meeting. Yeah. And I scheduled it with uh, another engineer on their team, their product manager, and my product manager. Right. So the product manager of the other team did not make eye contact with me the entire meeting. Like, he didn't address me at all. He spoke directly to the product manager for my team. Oh, that's annoying. And he didn't ask me a single question. Yeah. Um, he directed all of his questions, everything, to the product manager for my team. And yeah. the product manager asked me some of the questions. Like, he, he so it's basically it, like, so. I asked this person and uh, <laughs> sitting next to me, and they have to ask another person sitting next to them. Yeah. It's like, just... What, it's kind of like the office space. Well, why don't you just ask them directly? Yeah, it, was, it, it made <laughs> me feel... Say, why don't you just... Why doesn't the engineer take the specs from the customer? <laughs> it made me feel really uncomfortable because it's like, yeah. okay, I scheduled this meeting right. um, and I'm the person who's working on You're this supposed one. to be leading the meeting. Like why? Well... Well, um, or you scheduled leading, but you, but you had the other person. Uh, the, the other... It, it made sense for the other person to be talking most of the time. Right. Um, but it, it, it just... It was very... It was very strange. And yeah, you feel like they felt more comfortable talking to the other person. Um, 
I, I don't I don't know. I, you don't know. OK. Yeah. And, and that, that's what it is with microaggressions. You never know exactly what was going on in the other person's brain. Yeah, right? sure. It, it could be that, yeah, the other person was a product guy and they just he felt more comfortable talking to the product guy. I, I don't know. Yeah. But it made me feel small. Yeah. And like it he, made me feel like even if he meant nothing by it, he didn't consider he didn't have the I don't know. He didn't have the social skills to consider it that. Right. And, sort of or, thing. yeah. And I was the only woman in the room. And, yeah. like, it's like, okay, these these three men are having a nice conversation. But I'm just <laughs> sitting here, like, what? Yeah. It almost felt like, why am I here? Even though the meeting could not have happened without me being there. It's like, well, well I, I know how this works. Like, you're the person who's going to be doing the actual work. And yeah. they're all just talking about it. Like, you're not in the room. That that sucks. I've been there, too. Yeah. <laughs> so that was, that was my... That was the the worst thing that happened to me at Google, which is pretty good. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can say a, this is for for over a year. That's not bad. Yeah, from a, from a gendered perspective like that, that was probably the worst thing that happened. Yeah. Um, and I've heard I heard other stories from other people um, that were much worse um, stories of harassment, and and some of these have been yeah have been even posted publicly. Some of these happen in a lot of workplaces. Some people just don't get it. I I don't know. It's it's uh, it's absurd that like few people don't know wh- when they're crossing the line. Sometimes, yes, um, I know. I know of people, yeah, who who were harassed. I know of people who had issues with clients, like yeah. if they if they were either an engineer or salesperson. Um, oh, yeah, clients could, yeah, yeah, like clients outside of the company, yeah, um, either being inappropriate. It's hard for the company mm-hmm. to do. Well, I mean, right? They're not they. They can't train the clients, so exactly. What? Yeah, yeah. So uh, I do believe that it's harder for women in Google, even if yeah. my experience was largely neutral. Okay. Um, cool. Yeah. Fair enough. All right. Two more questions specifically about the memo. I know this is a, not the most comfortable one, uh, but <laughs> <laughs> so I so uh, first we're going to start with like two claims that he made in the wem- in the memo, not about not about the. The, the men and women stuff. This is just claims about uh, stuff that happens in Google. Yeah. So I was wondering whether it was true or what he meant by it. Maybe he was saying something. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe it's... Well, let me just start with the first one. Yeah. The first one, he said that there are programs, mentoring, and classes only for people with a certain gender or race. Um, what do you mean by that? Yeah, sure. So there's, um, there's a class called Stretch for Women. Um, and it's it's a career focused class um, that's targeted specifically towards women. And um, I don't know that you can't sign up if you're a man, but it's like very, very uh, targeted towards women. Um, so do they tackle issues that women are more likely to be? Um, yes. So more likely to face. Like, yes. Did you take that class, or did you just? Yeah, about I did. It? Oh, I took okay. It. Um, and it, there, there were other, there were other classes and programs too, and and mentorship. I'm, I'm sure. Um, yeah, like there's a, there are lots of affinity groups. There's women at Google. There's Black Googlers. There's Gayglers. Um, so there, are, there are all these groups um, within the organization, for sure. And there's mentoring within those groups, that, you know, if if you tried to get a mentoring if you tried to be mentored through women at google and you're not a woman um 
yeah, you, I, I'm sure that that would be considered kind of strange and like maybe you wouldn't be very welcome. Well, what do you think the purpose of these like uh, programs are in general? Like, do you think it's to make mm-hmm. people feel more comfortable if they're kind of, um, you know, outside of um, the like if they're coming from a different culture and they're not really sure, different culture might not be the right word, but different. They just is, is it? Um, yeah, there's rather there's, than there's speculate, some, I'm going to get the answer from you. What, yeah. what do you think the purpose? So, is? so all of these these groups are kind of aimed at people who are other. There's some sort of other. Um, they're they're not part of the majority in some gotcha. way. Okay. Uh, at Google. And I think that they exist because if you are a white man at Google, you are going to work with lots of other white men. That's right. just a fact. Yeah. Um and so it's much easier for you to find people who look like you. Um and uh, I'm I'm not certain, but I would guess that a lot of these programs got started because uh, the people who started them saw that for white uh, cishet men in uh, in Google, they already had these mentorships. They already had uh, these informal or maybe even formal relationships um but they were harder to find if right. you if you didn't fit into that category gotcha gotcha like people look at you and they make assumptions um and so it's sort of like how do you deal with that well it's not so, just that it's yeah. like um it's it's just much easier to it's much easier to grow in your career if you see someone who's like you in the position that you want. Right, I see, um, I see. And, it, like, it, it, I'm not saying that as a woman I couldn't be mentored by a man. Right. I, I've been mentored by plenty of, of men. Um, but it's easier it, it's from help- a... It, yeah. It, yeah it's, I feel like it's, someone's, it's easier for someone who can say, I've been where you've been. There's that aspect, but there's also, um, like, if, if these if these uh, relationships are forming informally for a certain group, but they're not forming informally for another group as as much, then it helps to have a more formal process for that other for those other groups. Yeah. Um, especially, especially if um, if you're seeing like. If depending on your affinity groups, you could be the only person in your entire like org that is that fits this certain description. Right, right. Um, and so finding other people who are like you can be difficult. Yeah, yeah. And so just just building that network and having having that support, um, it could really make a big difference to your to your you know work output, your career, and your happiness at work. Yeah, yeah. So uh, he also said that Google sets org-level OKRs for increased representation, which can incentivize illegal discrimination. That's just a, that's just a direct quote from the memo. Mm-hmm. Uh, were you aware of any of those OKRs, and what were what were they actually like? Um, I don't know what a OKRs 
um, he's specifically referring to. Um, um, so one one thing that he may be referring to now, I, I <laughs> no worries. So. I don't know of any specific OKR related to this, but let's say, let's say um, Google wants to be more diverse. They look at the numbers, and right. and Google does does want to make sure that they're giving access to more people. They they don't want to, right? The the company doesn't want to exclude any category of engineer. Yeah, except bad engineer. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> only bad. They yeah. only want to exclude bad engineers. So if they're, um, yeah, if they're, if they're losing out women, they're losing out on hiring women that are good engineers and they, they want to fix that problem. Yeah. So um, um one thing that uh, there there are lots of things that you can do to like fix that problem. Yeah. I'm and not asking you like what, what what they can do. I was just asking if if you are aware of any of the OKRs. But yeah, uh, so so you know, or or, how, or if it affected you at all, or you just never saw them. Um, and yeah, I never specifically saw them. But I I think what what he was referring to here is stuff like the the uh, I think it's called the Rooney Rule, where uh, for every for every open position. You must interview one woman before you before you um, give the role to someone. I see. Is that a, is that like a general rule at Google that they do that? Uh, no, it's, it's not, not a general rule, but or sometimes they do. Um, I, I I don't remember any team specifically saying that they did this, but yeah, I believe that some teams do do this. Gotcha, gotcha. All um, right, yeah. And that's just to, that's just to, in, it's it's to increase the likelihood of, um, or sorry, decrease the likelihood of missing out on a good candidate. Yeah, yeah, or just kind of hiring, talking to the same people over and over. I could kind yeah. of see that. Yeah, exactly. Um, so one last, oh, sorry, did you have something to say on that? Yeah, so there's nothing illegal about that, and it's not discrimination. Um, because you're not hiring anyone based on their gender. You're just making sure that you're opening up the role to a wider set of people. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. One last thing, the suggestions in the memo. In the memo, in the memo he made a few suggestions on making the Google environment more friendly for women. And the, one that, the, the ones that popped out of me, he said there should be more pair programming and collaboration and to honor part-time work and make it less stressful. And I kind of thought, I actually want that for myself. Like, right? that's, <laughs> those are great ideas just yeah. in general. Yeah. I think they carry specific implications when you say, like, this is to retain women. Um, I don't know if it would have that effect or not, but, like, those are, th those are things I want personally. So I just want to ask you, uh, do you think that Google has a problem with being non-collaborative or maybe adding unnecessary, unnecessary stress to their leadership roles? Um, potentially, but I can't really speak to any of those things. Yeah. Oh, was your team collaborative? Yes. My team was very collaborative. So your team was very collaborative. Yes. All right. Yeah. Cool. And so, uh, Google published some results on, uh, the thing that mattered most for, for successful teams. 
Um, and that thing was psychological safety. So the ability to, um, to say, or it's like the, the, the freedom to speak your mind on a team without fear of, um, or just without fear. Like it could, yeah. it could, there could be a lot of things that, that you could be scared of to say, I guess. Right. But um, just, just being free to. I got away with, uh, mm-hmm. I, I got away with letting down my filter a little bit uh, last week when I did the company talent show. Mm-hmm. So that was fun. We'll play that on the show, uh, <laughs> on our New Year's show. But uh, anyway. <laughs> so I, psychological safety doesn't mean yeah. that you can say anything. Right, right, That's right. not what that means. It, yeah. It's more that. Um, I mean, I feel like that psychological safety doesn't exist when it comes to discussions around this memo. So, it, right. Yeah. So uh, I would say that my my team at Google had really high psychological safety. That's and, good. And um, I feel I've been on teams like that where everyone's ex- like, you feel like I don't like to sit in a meeting and see everyone like wooden faced or poker faced. I like it when people are uh, emotional and you can like see their ups and downs. Yeah. And you kind of know. Whether I hopefully yeah. they're not always miserable, yeah. but like if 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 you could see someone's up and downs, and you kind of know that you're at least getting the more authentic person. Yeah, and, like we uh, weren't afraid to yeah. be like this thing was bad. Yeah, like this 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 thing on the team was bad, um, and talk about why, and then we could fix that problem more easily because we could be honest about what wasn't working. And yeah, I, I, I thought it was really 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 good. Cool. Um, but yeah, I think. Having more pair programming is a is a good thing, and more collaboration. Yeah, sure. And I'm sure that there are teams where that is an issue. I just happen to be on a on a really good team. Cool. I think that was very helpful. I think this is uh, you know what what people need to hear. I think the discussion that we just had was very um, different than the stuff that you read online, which is um, much. I found um, much less helpful. Um, so just just in conclusion, let's let's l- let me just ask you one more question. What number in the in the country are you in foos- foosball? In the co- <laughs> yeah, were you like t- so so according to the International Table Soccer Federation ranking, I am the number one American woman in foosball. Okay, so international adventurer, national champion. Top-rated engineer, Miriam, thank you for coming on the show. <laughs> thank you so much, Max. Looking forward to having you start back here in Foursquare tomorrow. Um, I'm looking forward to coming back to you. <laughs> That's the show. Remember to check out the website at localmaxradio.com if you want to contact me, the host, or ask a question that I can answer on the show, send an email to localmaxradio at gmail.com. The show is available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and more. If you want to keep up, remember to subscribe to The Local Maximum on one of these platforms and to follow my Twitter account, at Max Sklar. Have a great week. Feel the power.